Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. How are we this morning? Good. Couple of people are good. Caleb's good. Nikki's a little bit good. Andrew's giving me a thumbs up. Hey, uh, great, to, uh, great to be this morning. How good is it just to see every year for a long time now uh, in all of our campuses, we've been bringing up all of our uh, kids' leaders in their green shirts and just seeing young people invest into the next generation. It does my heart good year after year. I, uh, I, I just know, I loved, you know, Megan's just Megan's thankfulness for uh, the, the way that uh, these guys just give themselves away uh, to all of our kids and just are such a blessing. It is, it is an incredible blessing. Keep praying for them. Don't just pray for them today. Keep praying for them for out, throughout the year. You know, this is a, uh, a really important uh, time, a really important part of our vision, actually, as a church, is to invest into the next generation. We've got a generation growing up right now in our city that have never been to Sunday school. They don't know the stories of the Bible. Many of them have never been in RI. They actually don't know who Jesus is. And so what we're doing here is uh, really important, I believe, for the future of our city, the future uh, of our nation. So keep praying uh, for these guys. It's been a strange start to the year, as Andrew said. Um, all of our campuses right now, there's, uh, there's a lot less people in the room than normal. As we got to the end of the last year, the kind of rooms were full. We're almost back to normal. And then Omicron hit and everyone's isolating and people, we've got got more people online half the time uh, than in the room, which is a great ministry, but it's really good to be in the room. It's good to be uh, with all of you guys today. And just the prayer that God put in my heart over the last few weeks is, whether there's five people in the room or there's 500 people in the room, God is here and God is orchestrating divine appointments. And I just believe it's a divine appointment for some of you here this morning. Some of you, you've already just, you've, you've just God spoken to you. As Andrew led us in communion or as Hamish led us in worship, there's just a moment that God spoke to you and you're, you're hanging on to that truth. You're hanging on to what God's saying. I'm praying that will be true as we open his word this morning too. Anyone here up for a divine appointment with uh, the living God uh, this morning? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you are so compassionate and kind. Thank you that you are ever-present that you're always with us. And God, thank you that you presence yourself in a, in a particular way, in a manifest way as, as we come together as the people of God and we look to you. Thank you that you speak through one another. Thank you that you speak through your word. Thank you that you speak uh, through the power of your spirit indwelling within us. And I pray this morning that that may happen for all of us here in this room that we would know your presence and we would hear your voice. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who here has ever been whitewater rafting? Do you like it? Good, good, good. I've uh, never been. I wanted to go whitewater rafting. About 30 years ago, I was in Cairns with a mate and we wanted to do as many adventures as we could. We rang up this company called Foaming Fury. 
You know, as a 19-year-old, I thought foaming fury sounds like a lot of fun. And so we rang them and said, hey, can we go rafting tomorrow? They said, look, we're not going rafting tomorrow. We've got a staff training day. We're going whitewater kayaking. It's a new thing that we're getting into. It's, uh, there's no, we've got no clients coming tomorrow, but if you'd like to come on our staff training day as our only two clients, you can come. And so he said, yeah, sounds cool. Uh, we jumped on uh, the bus and uh, we're only probably on the bus for about 15 minutes the next day and we'd heard nearly every story of every broken bone, of every catastrophe on every rafting trip that these, uh, that these uh, staff members had seen in their lifetime. We're thinking, man, do we really want to do this? But we were too far in. Uh, we got to the uh, rainforest and we trekked through the rainforest, got to the river and uh, they threw me and Michael and inflatable kayak and they said here's your kayak pump it up and I turned to Michael and I said I don't like the way they said your kayak it actually sounds like we're going to be in a kayak together and we're a pair of numpties we've got absolutely no idea what we're doing and Michael said don't be ridiculous there's eight staff here getting trained that are experienced at this we'll be in with one of them there's no way they're going to put us in one together well it turns out that I was right and Michael was wrong and we pumped up our kayak and uh, we got in to the river and they gave us three instructions they said look just in case you fall out of your kayak and um, and hit your head on a rock it'll be a good idea to have a helmet on so keep your helmet on uh, for the rest of the day just in case you hit your head on a rock really hard put this life jacket on uh, so that you'll float when you're unconscious and then they gave us a, uh, a paddle and they said this is your paddle do not let go of this paddle for the rest of the day your life depends on it they were actually the only three things I already knew how to do but they were the only three instructions we got and uh, we jumped in our kayak and we started paddling down the river and it was actually pretty easy. There was no foaming fury. You know, it was, uh, it was, I was actually, you know, getting impatient, thinking uh, this is actually a little bit boring. We're just sort of meandering along. And then the river went round a bend and it got a little narrower and started moving a little faster and it was relentless. Like we were just constantly paddling for the next 15 minutes, just doing everything we could to stay afloat and to keep going down the river. And it was fun, but it was tiring because it was relentless and it didn't stop. But we were doing okay. I actually turned to Michael and said, we're pretty good at this. You know, we, uh, we, we actually might make the Olympic kayaking team next time it, uh, it comes around. And then they pulled us into this still bay in the side of the river. And we got up onto a rock and we looked down the next part of the river and I saw the foaming fury. The river just uh, went violent. There was water churning everywhere and we could see in the distance the water just disappear altogether over a waterfall. And so we sat in this still bay for a little while. We had something to eat. We sort of, you know, got, uh, got some instructions uh, for what we had to do into the future and we just got some strength back after the relentless paddling. And they said to us, okay, you need to listen very, very carefully. And they said to me, you're in the back and so you're responsible for steering this kayak. When you get to that rock there, you've got to dig your paddle in really hard to the left. And when you get to that rock there, you've got to 
paddle really, really fast to the right, and that rock up there is actually called Kiss Your Backside Goodbye Rock. Because if you go on the wrong side of that rock, you will not be coming home uh, with us. So it's very, very important you get on the right side of that rock. Anyway, we jumped in our kayak, we went down uh, into the river, and I'm thinking, dig it into the right, paddle really fast to the left. After the second rock, it was all a blur. I couldn't remember a jolly thing. And we got to that rock and we were on the wrong side of that rock. In fact, we're actually wedged between that rock and another rock, and we are looking backwards over the waterfall, wedged on a rock. At that point, I decided I wanted to escape. I do not want to be on this ride anymore. And so I threw that paddle that we're never supposed to let go of over the waterfall and it disappeared. And I started climbing out of the kayak onto a rock. Michael, my mate, was still holding onto his paddle and he was hitting me over the head with it as hard as he could. And I was very grateful uh, for this helmet. All of the instructors were screaming at me, do not get out, stay in the kayak. And after a little bit of common sense prevailed, I got back into the kayak. I was just going to wait there for the river to run dry and then I would walk home. I got back in the kayak, we went over the waterfall backwards and we lived to tell the tale, but I never made the Australian Olympic kayaking team. And sometimes, you know, sometimes life can actually just feel like you know, we're just meandering along. You know, it's pretty simple. It's pretty routine. We know what's coming up next. I'm not sure anybody has, unless you've been living under a rock, has lived that kind of life for the last two years. It hasn't felt like a meandering two years. It hasn't felt like a two years where we kind of always know what's coming into the future. At other times, life feels relentless. It actually feels like we never stop paddling and we're just working as hard as we can just to keep afloat, just to, just to make sure uh, we, we, we kind of got everything, you know, in line and it's tiring. And, and eventually, if you keep living life at a relentless pace, you actually run out of resources, you run out of energy. And then there's other times in life and I think some of us have had these moments, particularly in the last two years, maybe even in the last week, where it actually feels like you're looking backwards over a waterfall and everything is churning around you so much that you're churned up on the inside. And you're actually looking at the future and you're so fearful of the unknown that you just want to get out. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to get out. And I don't know what season you're walking through in your life right now. I don't know whether you are just kind of meandering, just going from day to day, whether life feels relentless or whether you're churned up on the inside and you're fearful of the unknown. I, I believe God's got two simple words to say to us all. Be still. Be still. See, even though the last two years have been a little different to normal, we're not the first people to walk through storms. We're not the first people in history to go through times where, where we get churned up on the inside and we're scared of the unknowns in the future. And God, 
knew that we would go through times like this. And so there's a psalm in, in the middle of this book of songs that has really ministered to me in this last season. And I pray that it really ministers to you today. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, listen to this, we will not fear. Even though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, even though the thing that we, we feel will never change, the thing that we've got most confidence in, even when the mountains fall into the heart of the sea and, the, and the, the earth beneath us falls away, we will not fear. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations might be in uproar and kingdoms might fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Who knows a fortress is strong, it's stable, it's unchanging. That's why God is described as a fortress throughout the Psalms. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire and he says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's just go back to those first four words for a minute. God is our refuge. You know, we all find refuge in something when life gets relentless. We all find refuge in something when life gets rel relentless. Some of us find refuge in a bottle some of us find refuge in the fridge. Some of us find refuge online. And some of us find refuge online shopping. And some of us find refuge online in, in porn. Some of us find, you know, refuge in over-exercise. Some of us find refuge in overeating. Some of us find you know, refuge in uh, TV and binging on something just to help us to escape. Now, not all of those things are bad, but the reality is that they're all temporary refuges. They give us temporary comfort for a moment. And all of us here in this room have experienced at times when we've turned to those refuges that they're never enough. That they actually don't protect us in the way that we need to be protected. They don't satisfy us in the way that we know we need to be satisfied. They're as best temporary and they don't last. What God is saying in Psalm 46 is, I am your refuge when life is relentless. Now that word refuge, we kind of, we know it means a safe place. We know it means a place of protection. But for the, for the people that were listening to this psalm for the very first time, as soon as they heard that word refuge, they had a particular thought, they had a particular idea, because in their law was a city of refuge. You see, they had a, quite a tough justice system. It was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. And so if you plucked somebody's eye out, 
you just got ready to have your glass eye fitted too because yours was coming out next. If you're playing footy and you knock someone's tooth out, you might as well ring the dentist because your tooth is coming out next. And if you took somebody's life, there's no fancy defence lawyer, there's no trial by jury. This is what would happen. It was in the law. The family of the life that you took would appoint a blood avenger. Now, a blood avenger sounds like a really cool name for a heavy metal band. You can kind of see it plastered on a black shirt. But there was nothing cool about having a blood avenger hot on your heels. You see, what what their family would do is they would appoint a blood avenger and their sole purpose in life was now to track you down and to kill you, to take your life, to avenge the blood of the person's life that you'd taken. But you see, God has always been a God of mercy and grace, not just in the New Testament, as we heard in communion this morning, but also in the Old Testament. God was still the same. He was a God of mercy and grace. And so in this tough justice system, what God did was he he created six cities of refuge dotted around the lands that they live in. And so if you're chopping wood with your mate and your axe handle falls off and accidentally hits your mate in the head and kills him, complete accident, what you would do was run as fast as you could to a city of refuge because you had a blood avenger hot on your heels, relentlessly trying to kill you. And when you got to that city of refuge, God put it in the law. By law, they had to open the gates and let you in. And then they would close the gates behind you and they would keep you safe. And it was a little like paddling into that still calm bay. You had time to take a breath. You had time to plead your case. And so you got the chance to actually speak to the high priest of that city. And you got to tell the high priest, hey, this, this was an accident. No, I didn't. This, this, this is, is unfortunate and it's terrible. But it was an accident. And if the high priest heard your case and decided that you were innocent... They would protect you within the walls of the city of refuge. And there's a fair bit about this in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read one verse from Numbers chapter 35, right at the end of God describing the city of refuge, which is a place of of mercy and grace. Just listen to this for a minute. It says, The accused must stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Only after the death of the high priest may they return to their own property. So you were safe with the high priest who had said you were innocent. But when the high priest died, you were actually safe to return to your homeland, to return to your true family, to return to the fullness of your inheritance and no one could lay a finger on you. I want to encourage us this morning 
we have a great high priest. We have a great high priest who declares because of his blood that was shed on the cross, because he paid for your sins on the cross, because the great high priest died on the cross for you. You have a God who declares you innocent and you're not just safe. You're not just safe for this time that we live here on earth, but you are a fully fledged member of the family of God and you have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade because the great high priest has died in your place. He has avenged your sins. He's by his blood, he has paid for it. And so you can run into his arms at any time love the words uh, in this psalm. He's our refuge. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. He's not conveniently dotted around six convenient locations. You can know the presence of God anywhere, anytime. And because our great high priest has died, you can run into his arms with confidence and they are always open wide. Can I hear just a little amen this morning? Jesus, he's our great high priest. He's our refuge our ever-present help in times of trouble. Sometimes I just read and I see the signs of Jesus in the Old Testament. You have to remember this is written 14, 1,500 years before Jesus even walked on earth. And you see the way that this book has been put together by all different authors across different centuries from different cultures, different cities, and miraculously the whole thing points to Jesus. It actually gives me confidence when the earth falls out beneath me and the waters foam and churn around me that God truly is our fortress that Jesus truly is our great high priest that this book and the words and the truth in this book can be trusted and you can trust God he's your refuge it's a really smart thing to do it is when we're feeling churned up on the inside or when life is relentless or we're scared of the future, is actually not to run to temporary refuges, but to run into the arms of God. Let me just get a little bit vulnerable here for a moment. You know, I knew I was preaching this message. I, I, I know this message well. I love this psalm. It's ministered to me in the last couple of years. But yesterday... Knowing I'm preaching this today, yesterday I had a moment where something just churned me up on the inside. There's so much that I actually, not ran, but I walked into my bedroom, I curled up on my bed, I just got, I want to escape, I want to get out, I want to sleep, just let this go away. That doesn't happen to me a lot. I realized, even though I know this truth so well, I, I still have this desire when things get hard, when things are swirling around us, I just want to run away and escape. I just know that some of us, are, I'm not the only one walking through that. And God had to wake me up both literally and spiritually and remind me to run into his arms. 
to know his peace, to know his strength, to know his ever-present help in times of trouble. And I began to receive his peace and and become that non-anxious presence. When only an hour or two before, everything was churning within me. Run into the ever-present arms of God. He's our refuge. He's always there. And he's our strength. He's actually stronger than whatever has you scared. He's stronger than whatever has you scared. Let me read those couple of verses again. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, even then we will not fear because God is stronger than the storm that has you scared. You know, I, uh, as I was sitting on top of that waterfall, as I said, I just wanted to escape. I wanted to get out because I was scared. I was scared of the unknown in the future. I was scared of, you know, what was happening. Maybe right now you're actually looking into the future and you're looking at some of the unknowns, or you're looking at some of what is churning inside you, and you want to get out. Maybe you've got a storm in your family right now. Maybe there's broken relationship or bitterness. Maybe there's kids going off the rails. Maybe there's tension you know, in your marriage. Maybe there's decisions that need to get made and you can't come together in unity. I don't know what it is. I just know when we go through that times that there's a, there's a tendency to want to escape, to get out. And God doesn't want you to get out of your family. God doesn't want to rip relationships apart. He's stronger than whatever has you scared into the future. You know, if you had to actually ask that 19-year-old boy sitting at the top of that waterfall climbing out what I was most scared of, you know what I would have said? 19, public speaking. It's, It's the thing that had me scared. So I knew there was a call of God on my life at that point at 19, but I was too scared to go to Bible college because I was too scared of public speaking. Now, 30 years later, the thing that brings me the greatest joy is this. You know, I have the the privilege of of leading a great church. I love what God is doing in Gateway. I'm so excited about the next seven years. I I got the privilege of leading a, a movement of churches, Queensland Baptists, around our state. And those things for me are privileges. But the actual organisational leadership that it takes in both of those roles, I I do because God's called me to it. It, it's, It's a privilege and it's a joy. But the thing that really gives me joy and the reason I keep doing it is because I get to do this. I get to open the Bible with people. This is the thing that brings me greatest joy. But fear almost ripped it from me. Fear almost stopped me receiving the thing that brings me greatest joy. I want to encourage you this morning, not everyone should stand on a stage and speak. That's not the point. But all of us have got a ministry call on our lives. There's something that God's called us to do, whether it's walking around the city, you know, caring for people in need, whether it's helping our our kids team out there, whether it's being salt and light in our workplaces and in in governmental systems and in the health system and in, in, in places of influence, whatever it is, there's a call on our lives to be salt and light. And sometimes we're so scared of what might happen in the future if I really stand up for Jesus that we just kind of shrink back 
and escape. I want to encourage you this morning, whatever it is that's got you scared, our God is stronger. There is nothing to fear. But God's not only just a fortress, and I love the picture of the fortress in Scripture, and it's right, I'm going to do a word study in the next little while and just see how many times God is described as a fortress in, someone can do it on your phone right now if you want, in the, in the Psalms. It's many, many times because he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a picture of strength. He is a God, you know, of strength that will never move. He's unchangeable. He's immutable. If you go back to the old uh, descriptions of, of God in the Westminster Confession of Faith, he's an unchangeable in his nature. He'll never move. But he's also personal. You see, God's not just stronger than what has scared. He's come close. He's our source of strength. Let me just read a couple of couple more verses that says, uh, there's a river, verse 4 to 6, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth Melts. You see, in the ancient world, when uh, you know a city was attacking another city or a nation's attacking another nation, they would lock themselves up in a fortress. You know, they'd lock themselves up in a walled city. They'd lock themselves down, and once they were in their walled city, they were reasonably safe from the spear and the javelin and uh, and other handheld, you know, kind of of weapons. But what they were really scared of it was once they were in their city that the attacking nation would cut off their water supply because you can't live without water. You see, you can, you can actually live 40 days without food. Anyone tried that out in the last 40 days? Uh, not many of us. It's not really, you know, it's not always good for us. There are ways of doing it. Jesus, you know, did it and uh, it uh, strengthened him spiritually, but I wouldn't recommend it sort of day after day. But you'll survive. You can actually go 10 days without sleep. Once again, I wouldn't recommend it, but it's been scientifically proven. You can go 10 days without sleep and you will survive. My son went for a week without changing his undies. <laughs> he survived. He's alive to this day. He had a nice pair of Spider-Man undies that he really liked and when we were driving across the Simpson Desert, he didn't want to change them. Didn't matter what we said. Same undies for a whole week. He also wanted me to know he was eight years old at the time. <laughs> but when we were driving across the Simpson Desert, we had to conserve the water we had. Because you can go for seven days without changing your undies, but you can't go for seven days without water. Your body will shut down after about three days without water. It's your source of life. And what God is saying in, in this psalm is that he is like a river that will never be cut off. He's a source of water. He's a source of life flowing into the city, into our lives that no one will ever cut off. He's your source of strength. He's not just strong from a distance. He actually gives us strength. You see, this is important. God's not looking around the world for strong people. He's not looking for strong people to use. He's looking for people to give strength to. 
Second Chronicles chapter 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking for hearts who are fully committed to him. Looking to strengthen, I messed out, I left out the important word. Looking to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to him. He's looking for hearts fully surrendered, fully devoted, fully committed to him. He's not looking for strong people. He's looking for people to give strength to. And he wants to give strength to you. He wants to be your source of strength. You see, we, we rarely forget to replenish our bodies, but many of us forget to replenish our souls. And so in this psalm here, God is saying, be still with me. Be still and know that I am God. I want to replenish your soul. I want to be that source of life, that living water that flows into your life to give you strength for the thing that's got you scared into the future, for the thing that I'm calling you into that feels unknown. I want to give you my strength to face that. You see, God calls us to be still because he wants us to become strong. You see, your family needs you to be strong right now. This is, this, I know there's a lot of families going through tension. Your family needs you to be strong. When kids are going off the rails, when, when, when there's tension in, in, in marriages, you need the strength of God to actually stand firm and be who God's called you to be in that season. Our world... Our world needs you to be strong. Not in your own strength, but in the strength that he gives. Because there's pain out there. There's carnage going on out there in people's families. There's brokenness, you know, all around us. There is a pandemic of loneliness. There are young people searching for identity and hope and meaning and not finding it in the world. There's never been a more important time for the church of Jesus Christ to actually shine a light on the love of God and to speak with confidence the truth of God. Our world, this city, needs us to be strong. If you've listened to me preach for any of the last uh, 17 years at Gateway, you'll know I, I talk about this milk crate. And I do it at the start of every year, and I'm doing it again this year. I've got a black milk crate I sit on every day. And when everything kind of swirling through my mind and decisions that need to be made, things that are churning me up on the inside, I sit here and I be still with God. And over the years, some people have said, Jason, do you realise you're stealing those milk crates from the milk company? You're stealing them from Parmalee and Norco? And I got, I got mildly convicted about that. <laughs> and I was sharing it at a men's uh, conference for another church last year. And a guy came up to me and he said, don't worry, mate, I own a company that makes milk crates. I'm going to make you some. And you won't be stealing them off anyone. These are my milk crates. <laughs> There's no branding on them. I've not stolen them from anywhere. And I've got them locked down with chain and key. Now, I'm not saying you need to go and find a milk crate because you will be stealing them, all right? And you're not touching more. I just want to encourage you 
to find your place to be still with God. I do it every year because I just know if you'll do it, it'll change your life. Find your place to be still with God every day. Now, what if in 2022, you just found 22 minutes to be still with God every day? You can do a lot of things in 22 minutes. You can watch an episode of Home and Away without ads in 22 minutes. (laughs) Put your own little show in there. There's a lot of things we do in 22 minutes. What, What if you just gave 22 minutes to be still with God? You see, to be still means you've actually got to stop doing one thing and start doing another thing. That's what, that's what God is saying in this psalm. Stop doing one thing and start doing another thing. And so what, what I think he might be saying to us in this season is stop running to temporary refuges and run into my arms. Be still with me. You know, stop running and just living life at a relentless pace that's killing you and killing your family and be still with me. It's coming to my arms. Stop escaping from what's got you scared into the future and be still with me. You know, to be still actually means to stop doing one thing and start doing another. And it's such a gift when we do it. God's saying it for our good, not for his. Be still. And then he says, be still and know that I am God. All right, that means we've got to stop stop thinking one thing and start knowing another. All right, in in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5, it says, we're not in a battle with with, uh, spears and javelins anymore, but we are in a battle. There's a battle going on for the mind. And it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God about being still and knowing God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Or in Jason's paraphrase, you've got to stop thinking one thing and start knowing another, knowing what God says. So if you're thinking, you've just got to keep doing life relentlessly and never stop. And you've got to listen to what God's already said in Psalm 23. Because if you're living like that, then you stop following Jesus because Jesus is a good shepherd. And the good shepherd makes you lie down in green pasture. He leads you beside still water. It's what the good shepherd does does. So if you're thinking, I just got to keep living relentlessly, you got to stop thinking that and you got to start knowing another thing about what God is like. If you're looking at the thing that, that, that's got you scared, you know, into, into the future and you're thinking there's no way that I can overcome that, well, that's true in and of your own strength, but you've got to stop thinking that and start knowing another because Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Remember, he's not looking for strong people. He's looking for people to give strength to And if you're looking at the future, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your ministry, your workplace, the calling he's got on your life, and you're thinking, that looks hopeless, and I'm just churned up on the inside, 
You've got to stop thinking that and you've got to start knowing something else. Because you know there's no person that God ever looks at and he sees hopelessness. It's not in his nature. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. There's always hope. I I felt this morning there's some people here who are churning up on the inside. I also think there's some people here where you're looking at the future and it looks quite black and dark and hopeless. And maybe this week you've even just had some thoughts of, I want to get out of here. God's got hope for you. Be still and know that I am God. There's a battle going on in the mind. Stop thinking. We've got to stop doing one thing and start doing another. We've got to stop thinking one thing and we've got to start knowing another. Be still and know that I am God. Then it finishes that verse with, I will be exalted in the nations. And some of us have got to stop worrying and start worshipping. We actually got to choose to put our worries under our feet and exalt God just means to lift him up above everything. Lift him up above all of our worldly troubles. Jesus needed to do this. If Jesus needed to do it, maybe we need to do it. Last night of his life, he could see the storm that was ahead. He could see the, he was looking at the future and he was filled with fear in his humanity. It's one of the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think it's the, the time that we see Jesus' humanity most clearly. And what does he say to his father? He says, God, get me out of here. Take me away from this. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to keep going into the future. And God says no. The father says no, but what he does do, he hears his prayer and he sends an angel to give him strength to endure. He doesn't help him escape. And I think sometimes a lot of our prayers sound like that, God, just help me escape, help me escape. I want this to go away, I want this to go away, help me escape. Where God's saying, hey, I'm going to walk with you into the future and I'm going to give you the strength to endure. I'm going to get the team to come up this morning. I want us to do what Psalm 46 says. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Can we stand together this morning? Just as the team plays, I want us just to be still. Maybe you haven't had many moments of stillness this week. But just be still. Encourage you right now. Just close your eyes. Just say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know your voice, your thoughts. And for some of you, there'll be a Bible verse that just comes to mind. That's God speaking to you. For others of you, it might be a picture he gives you and you just got to ask, God, what are you showing me here? For others of you, it'll, it'll actually come as a feeling or an emotion. And can I just encourage you, feeling and emotions aren't bad. We're not supposed to ignore them. 
We're just supposed to make sure they're in line with the way that God feels. So you want a clear way of, simple way of looking at the way God feels, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness and self-control. Just be still for a moment. Say, God, I'm here. God, by your spirit, just speak to us this morning. Help us to know your voice, whether you speak in words or scriptures or even feelings, pictures. God, give us confidence this morning. It's your voice. For those of us this morning that have just just heard a, a gentle reminder, God, would you help us to take hold of that word this morning? Not let it slip from our mind or our heart, but God, we just take hold of it and say thank you for that word. For those of us that are maybe got a picture or just a glimpse or not sure what it is you're saying, God, would you help us this week to be still? And just to keep praying into that and just letting you reveal yourself to us. God, give us faith to hold on to your word and to press in to what you have for us. Hey, I'd just like to pray for a group of people this morning. I'm just going to pray for you where you are, if that's okay. But just while everyone's eyes are closed for a minute, if you're here this morning, you just say, there's just been some things that have shaken me this week. I've been churning on the inside. And you actually just want to know the peace of God. You want to know, you want to cast your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. You want to become that non anxious presence. Can I just, can I just get, give me a little wave? You say, I've been churning on the inside. Hey, a bunch of you. That's cool. You can put your hands down. Just let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Come on, if that's you, just, just, just open your hands, actually. Just receive it. Receive it from God. God, thank you. Thank you. As we go all the way back to that communion table, your compassions, they fail not, God. God, you're the most compassionate, kind person we'll ever meet. You're also the strongest person we'll ever meet. God, let's pray for those that are churning up on the inside. God, would you help us right now to run into your arms and know your strength, your peace, and your compassion. God, I pray right now you'd help us to cast all of our anxieties upon you, knowing that you care for us. God, I do pray for your peace to come. God, right now, help us to put on peace like a coat. It's almost like putting it on like a jacket, just kind of shrouding ourselves in your peace. 
because you are a God of strength. You're a God of peace. You're a God who will never let us go. God, I pray where there's been anxiety this week and we've been churning up on the inside, God, I pray that you would help us to be that non-anxious presence. We would receive your peace from your Holy Spirit right now. We would receive your truth that would help us to put our feet on stable ground. God, help us to draw near to you. May your peace come over our body, our mind and our spirit. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I last, last week I, I read a, uh, a, a quote from a, a really old theologian from the 17th century. And he says, the nearer, we draw, the nearer we draw to God, the more stability we have in our lives. Because our God is unchangeable. He lifts our feet onto solid rock. He's a fortress. I just think that's what God's doing for some of us right now is just lifting our feet onto a solid rock. And Carter, what I want us to do as we finish, we're going to sing an old uh, song that just says, I exalt thee, I lift you up. And what I believe is we lift him up, he's lifting our feet onto solid ground. And it's kind of like we're putting all of, I don't know whether you can picture things like this or not, but it's almost like it's not trying to put all of our worries out of our mind, but I've almost just felt this morning some of us are putting all of our worries under that rock. It's kind of like under our feet. I'm standing on something strong. No, it doesn't matter what comes, what shifting sands around me, there's a rock I'm standing on that is strong. Come on, let's just choose this morning. Just lift your hands, lift your hearts, lift your voices and declare, I exalt thee. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in all the nations. Come on, let's lift him up. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 